Our text for today comes from Isaiah chapter 5, verses 1 through 7, and then from, again from the book of Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 5. You can follow along by going to page 7 in your bulletin. Let me sing for my loved one a love song for his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it, cleared away its stones, and planted it with excellent vines, built a tower inside it, and dug a wine vat in it. He expected it to grow good grapes, but it grew rotten grapes. So now you who live in Jerusalem, you people of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was it for there to do for my vineyard that I haven't done for it? When I expected it to grow good grapes, why did it grow rotten grapes? Now let me tell you what I am going to do to my vineyard. I'm removing its hedge so it will be destroyed. I'm breaking down its walls so it will be trampled. I'll turn it into a ruin. It won't be pruned or hoed and thorns and thistles will grow up up. I will command the clouds not to rain on it. The vineyard of the Lord of the heavenly forces is the house of Israel and the people of Judah and are the plantings in which God did delighted. God expected justice, but there was bloodshed. Righteousness, but there was a cry of distress. And now from Isaiah 11. A shoot will grow up from the stump of Jesse. A branch will sprout from his roots. The spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. A spirit of wisdom and understanding. A spirit of planning and strength. A spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. He will delight in fearing the Lord. He won't judge by appearances nor decide by hearsay. He will judge the needy with righteousness and a decade of decide with equity for those who suffer in the land. He will strike the violent with the rod of his mouth. By the breath of his lips, he will kill the wicked. Righteousness will be the belt around his hips, and faithfulness the belt around his waist. This is the word of God for all the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. So Daniel and I have lived in our house in North Minneapolis now for a little over 12 years. About a decade ago, we both worked near each other, and usually on Fridays, we would drive together to work. A few blocks from our house, as we were making our way, there was a corner house, and basically the front yard was a massive garden. And it had a beautiful kind of trellis and all of that. And in front of it, there were usually two fathers that were waiting with their children for the school bus. So every time you saw, the fathers were there, and they put their kids on the bus as they headed off to school. As I said, that was a decade ago. I actually drove by that house recently, maybe probably in the late summer, early fall. And whoever lived there a decade ago is no longer there. The school bus stop is also gone. All that was left was a house that had become dilapidated and a garden that had gone to seed. You can tell 
how things change, especially how they can decline after sometimes a period of beauty or a period of, of regularity, things change, and not always for the better. I have another example. When I was back, back home growing up in Michigan, not too far from my house in Flint, I remember that there was always this mailbox on the corner. You would kind of walk to it to deliver or to take your mail to make sure it got to the post, post office. And that was there for many years. And then maybe around the time that I was in fifth or sixth grade, they took away the big mailbox and had a smaller mailbox that was on a pole, a stone pole. You still walked up and put your mail in the mailbox, but it was a little bit different because it didn't have that big sound that you know the old the mailboxes always made. And then a few years ago, I decided I was just curious to see if that mailbox was still there, and it's not. And all of that, in some ways, showed the changes that were happening in my hometown over the years. When that big mailbox was there, you could always, you felt the neighborhood was relatively safe. You could walk up to that mailbox, maybe walk five or 10 minutes, get there, put the mail in the mailbox and walk back. The reason, the thing that is now that it's not there is evidence that the neighborhood is not as safe as it used to be. Things change. Sometimes that change is good. Sometimes it's not. Change can make a situation better, but change can also be a sign that things are bad. The book of Isaiah, which we are doing this morning, is actually three books. And what we're reading is in the first Isaiah. These two chapters are, as I said, found in first Isaiah. The prophet is telling a story. And telling the story of a lover or a person who plants a vineyard. And this gardener, as you can, can imagine, takes loving care in hopes of producing a great wine. So the moment of truth comes. The gardener takes a grape, puts it in his mouth, and immediately spits it out. The grapes taste terrible. And he also realized that the grapes didn't smell so good either. These grapes weren't going to be the grapes that became wine. They were actually wild grapes, which don't really taste that good at all. The grower is upset. After spending all of this time cultivating the ground, planting, taking care of the plant, it, its yield is rotten. So the vineyard, the vineyard decides to let the vineyard literally go to seed. He gets rid of the hedges. He breaks down the walls. He stops pruning and hoeing. He basically just gives up on the vineyard. It becomes a desolate ruin. Isaiah used this passage to talk about God's relationship with the people of Israel. God cared for them, lifted them up out of slavery, 
took care of them all the way that they were there and living on the land, and yet they ignored God and worshipped other gods. God expected more from the people of Israel, but they had turned away from God. And God, in turn, turned away from them. This was in the period where you could see the destruction of the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom where Isaiah lived is in a weakened state and decades later would also be toppled. What chapter 5 is showing is a hopeless situation. God has painfully let God's children do what they want and allowed them to face the destruction of their choices. If we just stop at chapter 5, this would seem like this was Israel's fate. And that's it. There's no hope. But of course, that is not the end of the story for Israel. In chapter 11, we are told about a shoot, a little seed, a little, a little plant that is arising out of the stump of Jesse. And the Jesse that we are talking about is the father of King David. What it is telling us is that God will send someone that comes from the Davidic line that would establish justice again in the land. The Lord's spirit will rest upon him, a spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of planning and strength, a spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. That is what the text says. And if that phrase, the spirit of the Lord, sounds familiar, it is because Jesus says a version of that in Luke chapter 4 as he speaks to his hometown. That linkage where the writer of Luke is now borrowing from the writer of Isaiah is telling us that this shoot will spring forth from the stump of Jesse and that shoot is Jesus. And what we learn is that while God may have turned away from the people, God also never gave up on the people. We live in a time where it seems like things are going to see. We live in a divided society in countless ways. We seem to look for to our government that seems to not function. There is a sense of economic uncertainty. There are those who are in power who don't lead for the good of the many, but only lead for the good of themselves. We converse with one another, not in the art of persuading, but using a blunt tool of demonization. To use a line from a reality TV show, no one these days are here to make friends. But as bad as things and, and, and as seem, uh, it seems as how scary things might be, how uncertain things will be, there is still hope. Because we see a shoot coming forth from a downed tree. Jesus hasn't given up on us. 
God's word and God's work is still being preached in the land. Over the last few months, the church has been working on a vision statement. Now, we have the mission statement, which we see over here, and we worked on that last year. Now, a mission statement tells people who we are. A vision statement is a little bit different because what it does is says what we do or what we hope to do. Yesterday, as I talked about earlier, we heard from the leaders of the two nearby food shelves that we support, the Monomedi Area Food Shelf and the White Bear Emergency Food Shelf. And in our discussion afterwards about what did this mean, how did this relate to our vision statement, there was talk that it realized that it may be time that in some cases we bring the church to the people. And this is what chapter 11 is all about. We are called to carry the message of Jesus into a dark land. We are not to keep it within the walls simply of this church, but to launch forth from the church into the world. We see division, but God, but we believe in a God that calls us to love one another. And because we have the hope of Jesus, we can offer a word of hope to a people who feel alone or live in despair or fear. I'm always checking in on my hometown, and I have two news sources that I like to look at just to see how things are going. As many of you know, Flint was, is a town that was where basically, literally, General Motors started there. Um, auto, the auto industry has always been an, a, a major part of the city. And as it, the, the auto industry has changed and jobs have been lost, that has brought lots of changes to Flint, which are not good. But one of the things that I've noticed, especially in light of what happened with the water crisis, is how the community has come together. And especially they've come together to clean up the local parks. As I said, lots of things changed when the auto industry downsized, and that meant that the city had less and less money to do the things that they needed to do, like keep up the parks. And many of them you would pass by had gone into ruin. But all in the last few years, local people have decided that it was time to do something about it. And people got together and they started to get rid of the trash and the overgrowth. They started to mow the grass. They started to do what they could. Donations were sometimes given for new playground equipment. All of this may not necessarily bring back jobs or things, but what it did show is a sense of bringing hope. It was an example of new life springing forth from death. It was a sense that people hadn't given up on the city. 
a shoot will come forth from the stump of Jesse. Even after the destruction of the vineyard, even when everything has been cleared, everything is now in ruins, there is still hope. God has not given up on us. Jesus is coming. Thanks be to God. Amen.